They were asking the right questions. We can stop as much as you want, by the way. We don't have to carry on. Maisie Williams is in the house! Game of Thrones was the biggest show on television. Game of Thrones flipped my whole world on its head. I sometimes worry that I'm like alienated because it all happened when I was so young and like literally from the age of 12 I've been like set for life. I had a traumatic relationship with my dad and ever since I can remember like I've really struggled sleeping. It had like met its like peak and I was at school. I was taken by a teacher to the staff room. She was saying like what's happened? I think a lot of the traumatic things that were happening, I didn't realise that they were wrong. I would look around at other kids and be like, where does the joy, when does that come for me? When you were 22, you talked about issues with substance abuse. Yeah, I just had that sense of impending doom and I didn't know how to make it go away. I'm gonna come and give you a hug. Without further ado, I'm Stephen Butler, and this is the Diary of a CEO. I hope nobody's listening, but if you are, then please keep this to yourself. So take me back, Somerset. What do I need to, to understand who you are now, what do I need to know about that part of your life? Um, well, I, as like a young child before the age of like eight, um, had quite a traumatic, like, relationship with my dad. And I don't really want to go into it too much because it affects my siblings and my whole family. Um, But like that really consumed a lot of my childhood. Um, Ever since I can remember, like I've really struggled sleeping. And I think a lot of the traumatic things that were happening, I didn't realize that they were wrong. But I knew that like, I would look around at other kids and be like, why, why, like, why don't they seem to understand this like pain or dread or fear? Like, like, you know where does the joy like when does that come for me like I you know I kind of always felt like I felt things very deeply um in comparison to other people and so when that sort of period of my life ended um I imagined that like you know everything is just like up from here like everything's perfect now um all of those things that I was concerned about were actually wrong. And like now I'm sort of free. Um, yeah. And then, you know, at different stages in life, you realize that there's never like an end destination for that freedom. Um, and it's, yeah, it kind of comes from within, I guess. Like when are you going to let yourself be free from from the pain. But yeah, that really consumed a lot of my childhood. That was sort of like what I was identified as, you know, what I identified myself as for a long time. And then, you know, everything changed and I sort of became this like, you know, character who, uh, who wouldn't let anything bad happen to her or anyone around her. And 
yeah, I guess like maybe there is some sort of like connection between those two things. Your mother left your father? Yeah, before I was born, actually. Well, no, I guess she escaped when I was about four months old. So it was, you know, bad before that. And then, uh, yeah. Have you spoken about this before? No. I don't know. I, I like you. <laughs> well, I don't know. I feel like this is an, um, it's something that I've been like learning a lot about recently and I feel like I can speak about it now. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah. Um, d- does it, has it taken you time to like, to, can I ask the question about, have you spoken about it before? Because um, I think at like 25 years old, there was like really foundational things I learned about myself that, that, that I only learn, I mean, you know, sometimes you read something or you hear something and you go, fuck, mm. that explains this thing. So my question there is just like, did it take you time to connect those dots? Yeah, definitely. I think that people sort of talk about like rewiring, I, people on your podcast actually speak about rewiring your brain. But that first, in order to do that, you have to recognize when your your brain is doing a pattern that you want to rewire. And quite often like, it's already triggered so many things and like you're in a bad mood and you have no idea why and it's hard to kind of like trace back from that point. So like that awareness um, and like finding that kind of for me had to come first. Like when when it really started to, I don't know, when I really started to understand it, it was like capturing those minutes where I was like, why does that make me feel really uncertain or angry or like make me want to like shout at someone like what what is that and then you can start to go like no it's okay and work your way back you know so you were seeing like social triggers or or situations where you were you know I I saw you I saw you said when you spoke to Lewis Howes you said I've always been quite an anxious person yeah and I really reflect on that because I you know I'm not an expert in anxiety I've been anxious myself I've, I've been an anxious person at times myself but um I I've always wondered for many years if we're we're born that way mm. or if if we're predisposed or if something happens and then we become anxious have you thinking about how you saw sort of social triggers have you connected any dots re- regarding being an anxious person as you call it to those early years as you've grown up now um yeah, I guess I think like a lot of that anxiety as I started to sort of recognize it came from like not really being myself and like then feeling anxious about the way that you're being perceived or whatever, but knowing that you're not really being honest and that will of course make you very anxious because if you have no idea who you're projecting, then you really have no idea how other people are going to hear it because you don't even know how you mean it. And, you know, that sort of like facade of like, I don't know, whoever, you know, whoever I thought was like capable of like getting through interviews or social like settings or whatever. Um, And I think that like struggle with identity and like the big questions of like, who am I? I think that everyone struggles with that. Um, but I think that like, you know, there's a, a period of your childhood um, where, you know, certain situations can really stunt um, like 
or just alter forever like who you are going to become um and that's not to say that you can't also just like become a very peaceful and uh you know content and fulfilled person um but like that sort of basic instinct of like what do I what brings me joy you know you've kind of second guessed that a lot as a kid and you're not known you know whether to trust what you really think or feel or you know whatever sort of like mental manipulation um and that can yeah really have like lasting effects so yeah kind of like discovering that and being like yes I struggle with you know my identity and knowing who I am so that brings me anxiety because I don't know who to be in a social situation um but then also sort of going back 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 far enough that you're like oh I don't know if that person really exists anymore and that's okay because I can find you know something um yeah you know find like a, a good version of myself um but yeah I don't know how do you uh, what do you think about that (laughs) um about which part well I guess um like it feels like a lot of people are trying to retreat to like being a child and like the things that brought you joy and like who you are at your core Mm. and who you are when no one's looking and um uh but you know can can that that part of you be so damaged from a very young age that that you you could be searching for something that um you know is just for you to make up (laughs) it's a really interesting question one i've never even pondered before um i was thinking about in fact lewis house and uh, i think shortly after you had a conversation with him it would have been because i know the timeline he i think he opened up for the first time it's so funny because when I rewatched your conversation with Lewis, you start sharing things that were difficult in your early years. You don't share anything like this with him. And then he says to you, he goes, he's quite stoic and he goes, yeah, I went through things like that as well. Mm. You're aware of what he, he yeah, went through? Yeah, yeah, I am him. now. So he went through um, pretty, you know, horrific uh, child abuse at a young age from, I believe a babysitter, if I'm mm. correct, that was looking after him that had sexually abused him. And he talks, my reference is only him talking about how he feels he has to go back and for, like forgive himself, the child that he was and heal himself, heal the child. Yeah, yeah. So he has, I don't know if you know, but he has his face at that age on his wallpaper of his phone. And with his therapist, he's worked through healing that young version of himself and then moving on to the next, to the teenage years. And so do I, do I, do I know if we can, um, if that, child that we're seeking still exists in there i mean my very naive assumption would be that they do yeah um are they are they still going to be childlike i don't know yeah there's something quite naive about being childlike which maybe wisdom makes irreversible but when you when you talk about joy you talk Mm. about struggling to feel joy at a young age Mm. What what is that? How do how do I how do I how do I understand those words? Um, I think like you know when you watch um, kids play, um, 
and like there's struggles and there's tiffs and there's like whatever but there's like just like complete inhibition right and it's just like running or it's like going on the slide or it's like hmm. I felt like I would often stop in a situation like that I'd be doing something and then I would just stop and be like something awful is gonna happen and just like I couldn't continue <laughs> Um, do you want, do you want a tissue? <laughs> Maybe. Jack, could you grab a tissue, please? We can stop as much as you want, by the way. We don't have to carry on. It's a great thing with <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> you just keep them on the desk you. if you want. Yeah. Maybe I'll hide them around the other side. I could put them just like here. Cool. Is that that's off camera? Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> um, yeah, I would just... Um, had that sense of impending doom and I didn't know how to make it go away. Um, and I had like great memories. I don't even know. It's hard to remember a lot of them. A lot of those times that I felt very free, I was actually on my own. Um, but I would never have like thought I was like an introverted person. Like I always would have thought that I was quite extroverted because um, I perform a lot for people, you know. Um, but yeah, I yeah I struggled. I yeah struggled with that when I was a kid, um, and just thought like, how do I stop feeling like this and just feel like everything's okay, you know? But at that age, I'm guessing you didn't know why you felt like that. So knowing how to st- to go about yeah. healing from it is is an impossible task, right? It's good yeah. to the point about you can't solve for something that you, you're not aware of. Yeah. Going like nothing's wrong. Like nothing is wrong. Everything's the way that it's supposed to be. But it wasn't. <laughs> but I, did, I just would tell myself that. Like what is wrong with you? Like, Where is, Was there an age when you found, found out? Because I kind of asked this question earlier, but was there an age, was there a moment where you found out what was wrong? Yeah. When I was about eight, um, I it's quite like a complex like string of events that happened. But basically it had like met its like peak and I was at school and I guess I was well, I mean obviously I was really struggling. Um and I don't really know what happened, but I was taken by a teacher to the staff room. And um, she was saying, like, what's wrong? You know, like, what's happened? Have you, are you hungry? Well, no, she said, I don't know. Yeah, are you hungry? I said, yeah. She said, did you eat breakfast? And I said, no. And she said, oh, why not? And I said, we just didn't have any breakfast. And, you know, and then she says, well, you know, do you normally have breakfast? And I said, not really. And so, you know, the sort of, they were asking the right questions. I'm going to come and give you a hug. I feel really compelled to give you a hug. (laughs) You okay? Yeah. 
No, I I do think it's important because I had so many people who loved and cared about me so much, but I'd never been asked the right questions where I could really say what was wrong. Um, And um, my mum came to school and picked me up and um, my siblings were also at secondary school at the time and they... um, some of them was were with mum and one was not and they were with dad still and yeah um and it was the first time that like it was all of the doors were sort of open and all of these things that we were experiencing were like out on the table and it was really really hard because I still wanted to fight and say no like these things aren't bad like you're trying to take me away from my dad and that's wrong you know like um because I was like indoctrinated in a way like you know um I think that's why I'm obsessed with cults because I'm like I get it (laughs) I get it I was in a child cult (laughs) against my mother um yeah so I really was sort of fighting it for for at the beginning but but basically like my whole world like flipped on its head and even though all these things that I was feeling I thought oh my god I'm so glad I don't have to see my dad anymore I it still was like against everything that I had ever ever knew to be true you know Mm. I don't know if I'm being too cryptic no, I don't think I am. Oh. I don't think you are. You can be as cryptic as you want to be. <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah. I get, I get. I understand what you're saying, and that's the, that's all that I need to, 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 to get the context. Um, and you can just talk as com- whatever you about whatever you want to talk about in terms of what makes you comfortable. I don't yeah. know where I don't know where your your line is. With yeah, com- being comfortable, so you just <laughs> you need that. Um, when I watch cult documentaries, <laughs> there's a lot of um, manipulation that goes on in these documentaries. There's a lot of fear that causes silence. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's usually why p- people find it, that's often why people find it difficult to leave those situations. And then when they do have these like, I always observe this like conflicting array of emotions. Like they have this love for this person, but at the same time, as you've you've described it, once out of that situation, they're somewhat probably you know spirit spiritually free and happy to be gone. So that that conflict of emotions always fascinated me. How two truths can almost exist mm. in the same place. Mm-hmm. You can feel, you know, so um, liberated and free, and at the same time, just like that impending doom is kind of still there. Where, yeah. It's like all your all your problems don't just sort of like go away, you know. Um, yeah, you still ca- like care a lot about that person, or you still sort of understand, you know, the pain or whatever that led to those very very poor decisions. As you sit here today at twenty five years old, how do you feel about your father? Um, well, to be honest with you, I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, and 
like I, I've been trying to do this thing where I stop taking things personally and like not just like you know when someone's had a bad day and they like push in front of you in the queue but like the big things in life like what if I said that it was not like it wasn't because of me that that happened like it it if it if I wasn't there it would have been something someone else like it's not um yeah it wasn't like because there's something wrong with me that like these bad things happened when I was a child um is that a thought you had yeah 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 I felt like there was something inherently wrong with me or us because like we did lots of things wrong all the time which is like why you know you you know you'd be mistreated or whatever because you're like oh like we really need to be better at this because we keep doing things wrong and we keep getting in trouble type thing um but then I was like well you know like and especially well because it was someone you know my a parent and I felt like oh they're supposed to like like you and so you know but then I was like well what if like there's just like no connection between like me being you know his daughter <laughs> and like it could have been like literally anyone like experiencing that pain and it would like still be the same and then I just kind of could separate myself from it a little bit and I could start to sort of reflect on him as a person and be like what happens that you get so stuck in your mind that you can just like you know permanently like mistreat people um you know what children children um like your own children (laughs) but but you know taking that step back and seeing it like more objectively kind of like makes me quite interested in in the guy I don't know him at all (laughs) um and I'm like what happened to you when you were a kid like who were your parents is this something that you were always like when you were a kid did you like pull the legs off bugs or like you know, did this, did you learn this? Like, you know? These are all the questions that I would ask. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so that's kind of like how I feel about him now where I'm just like, what if, like, he would make a fascinating documentary. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like nice to, to like, you know, not feel the the personal pain of that anymore and actually just think like, you know, I don't know if any of the answers to that will like help me in my journey. Um, but it is sort of like a nicer way to think of him than, you know, as like someone who doesn't love me or like me or like whatever. You know, you talked about that feeling that you were to blame for outcomes in your life that might, well, especially as it relates to your early years, that weren't, you weren't to blame for. Um, were there symptoms of that as you grew up? This kind of the feeling that, you know, um when things happen it was because you did something wrong or you were you were to blame for things did you feel that as an adult and in your teenage years at all yeah definitely I think that like I really um wanted to control a lot of things that you just can't control because like if I don't then 
if I'm not worrying or thinking about this or like wanting to control this, then like it's all going to fall down and like then I'll blame myself and it will be like, a, a you know, something that I could have done better or should have done differently. Um, yeah, I feel like. I guess it was more just like trying to control like the uncontrollable and that then leading to like another way that I could like beat myself down, you know. It's interesting because I've seen so many other interviews you've done mm. and without knowing that early context, a lot of those, a lot of the things I was hearing didn't. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Not that it, you know, it makes sense is maybe an interesting use of words, but um, it fe- it always felt like there was part of your story that was untold. Yeah. It, you know, I think when I was like 12 and I'd done a bit of Game of Thrones and was doing interviews then, like the first interviews that I'd ever done, I remember people sort of being like, but you're so young. Like, how do you protect like how do you show this pain like you've just seen like the death of your father or like how do you know that like how you know how do you act that sort of like fury and it just like in my head was like that's a really stupid question because <laughs> I've known how that feels but like you know I it's like I don't know something nice to just like leave in the past I guess but it's it's hugely influenced like everything that I do as an actor like I get to access all of that confusion and pain in my job and I get to like really feel it in like every fiber of my being but there's no like consequence and there's no like you're not really shouting at anyone or hurting someone or it's like it's all pretend but like the emotion is is real and like just being able to like let that out is something that I didn't do for a long time and so it's like it just all sort of came to the surface and I guess like holding you know the early part of my story like to myself is also just because I haven't really understood it the way that I have now and and I'm sure I'll understand it you know far better in the future but I feel, um, I feel like now there's like some sort of closure to it where the journey might help other people. Whereas before it was just like pain, 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 and no like conclusion. Right, right. No, like, okay, we're through the other side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, It was just like other problems that come from like the same problem, problem, problem. Uh Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, going into that audition to play Arya Stark, I was sort of surrounded by girls that like were joyous and like were free and like, like they were kids, they were kids who were happy and, um, you know, had, you know, had whatever they had, um, and I thought, wow, I really, um, you know, here we go again, like going to be a disappointment. <laughs> but, you know, for that moment, actually, that was that was what they needed. And so that was sort of like a 
moment in my life where I was like, huh, maybe this thing isn't all bad. Maybe there can be something like beautiful that comes from, you know, this this part of myself that I find like um, unnatural, like or like just different to to other kids. Here we go again. I'm going to be a disappointment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean by that? So when you when you got the role, you presumed that you were going to let people down? Or? Yeah. Yeah. No. I just like going into the room, I meant like, okay. oh, no, I'm not going to be what they're looking for. But I, I did end up being what they were looking for. But like, you know, I just... Um, presumed when, the worst a little bit. Yeah, 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 of course. Um, yeah. I don't know. Did, like, did you... Did you like always feel ever feel like disappointing Uh, yeah yeah of course yeah there's been moments in my life where I've definitely feel like I've let myself down and other people down and it's not a good feeling to to sit with but I think I've tried to channel it into um into making myself I actually went for an audition at 14 years old to do the junior apprentice you know, The Apprentice, the yeah. TV show? So they launched The Junior Apprentice and I went for the first audition, got through to the final 20 and then I got, long story, but I got this email from the BBC saying that someone had leaked the press that I was going on the show. So they said, this has jeopardised your chances of going on the show. And I don't come from a family where we had much. So going back to Plymouth and telling everyone, you know, like all my friends were like, oh, he's going to London and going back and saying like, they've just called me and told me I'm not on the show, was, was devastating for mm-hmm. a long time. Lots of tears. I felt like a disappointment at that phase of my life. Um, and several times subsequently, but, um, I think I've always been somewhat optimistic going into situations. I generally feel like I've got nothing to lose. Mm. Um, and I think maybe that's a bit of a privilege, to be honest. I think mindset privilege is a real thing, just like perspective privilege, something we don't talk about enough. And, Mm -hmm. um, had I been in an early situation where someone was continually, um, telling me the things that I was do- were doing were wrong or not good enough or whatever, I can quite easily see how I would anticipate that feedback going into anything where f- um, feedback was going to be given. And it's it's actually pretty remarkable. I mean, you know, because those early experiences you would you would assume would smash someone's like self esteem pretty severely mm. and and make them kind of retreat into safe places. Mm. One of the safest places is where we don't get feedback and someone doesn't shout at us or you know. Mm-hmm. But that that first this was your first audition, right, Game of Thrones? Yeah, or well, one of the, I I had an audition before that, which I also was very excited about, and then didn't get. So that was like my first like okay. you know professional rejection. But you were still um, putting yourself out there in situations where you could be rejected. Yeah, definitely, and I think it was because I the only time that I really felt that joy that I saw in other people was when I was like dancing or performing. And there was this feeling that I would get that I was like, this is like, I feel like human, you know? Um, And so I was like, I've just got to do anything I can to like do this forever. And so from a very young age, I was like, I want to go to stage school and I want to, yeah, I'm happy to leave everything (laughs) and go and do that. And um, yeah, so I, I really, every opportunity was like, um, 
yeah, I guess that little part that you said, like, I've got nothing to lose. It was like, yeah, on the other side of this could be absolutely everything. So I, I have to do it. I read this book. I say read. I watched the summary on YouTube. <laughs> but I'll just say it sounds more impressive. I read this book called The Body Holds the Score. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. And one of the most fascinating things about it is it talks about how acting and moving the body in like yoga have been proven to be the best forms of um, uh, antidepressant, like without, you know, taking SSRIs or anything. They've been proven to, and I remember thinking acting is a great antidepressant. How is that possible? Mm. But what you're saying now rings true. It talks about how it kind of disassociates from identity when we act. Um, And so what you're saying now seems to validate what I read. I'd love to read that because that's like exactly what I instinctively like discovered uh, like it just happened and I thought ah like this is what I'm supposed to do um have you ever figured out why why acting was a because it all I, I say the word escapism but it why mm. it was so liberating for you is it because is it escapism is it because it disassociates you from your own identity is it because you can create this new there's like two parts of it it was like how I felt like within my body, like everything floated away and like the way that it felt to move my body or the way that it felt to like contort my voice or like whatever. It just like, like that feeling when you're like, can't stop laughing. It was just like incredible. And then there was the way that it made other people feel. And I guess like with, with acting, with dancing, it was like, it was very, it was very much about the way that it felt and not necessarily the way that it looked or like how other people would experience it. But with acting, it's like you get that sort of two way thing. And I also saw the joy that it would bring other people. And like, I guess like you don't, you're like not disappointing. You're like making someone laugh or you're making someone happy or you're like, and that was like, you know, fun and new. Yeah, I was going to say Game of Thrones was a smash hit, but it feels like a slight understatement. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like smash hit is, that's, yeah. It, yeah. It's huge. <laughs> the fame piece. I've had a smidge of fame. Like, seven people know who I am. Right. <laughs> and sometimes it can be a little bit difficult. So I can't even, <laughs> you know, I can't even imagine, especially with the, the sort of confounding factors of your age, just trying to figure out who you are, mm. becoming famous for being a, a character on a huge show. Yeah. Um, being in your sort of adolescent years, all of these things all at the same time. Mm. When you look back and, you know, you, and, you, and I remember you, you saying about how people were like forecasting your downfall because of all those factors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it it the, the actually the strangest thing about it, the hardest thing, I think, was like needing to articulate who I was and what I loved and the things that I didn't like and what I had an opinion on and what like you know. Um, I, yeah, that I remember at the time being like, oh gosh, I really don't know anything about anything. I really need to know these things. I need to, you know, and then like, you know, years later you go like, 
oh, I said that my favorite film was this. And like, that's not true. <laughs> and it's like, you don't need to know any of that stuff. No, like it's all, um, it's all just like a, a journey, right? It's all like, there's never like an end. Um, what advice would you give that person? 13 year old, Maisie? To be honest with you, like I wish that I'd have just um, like trolled it all a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> and like, whatever I like instead of really digging deep and going oh what is the real just like whatever you feel that day that's okay and it can change the next day because that is just like life you don't have to be beholden to anything that you've said or done you can let it all go and like rip up the rule book I hated London moved back to Manchester went to New York and you're actually I'm gonna go back to London like this is what I'm gonna do now and it's not going to be like something that you're like, oh, I wish I hadn't done this. Like you're like, no, this is this is what I want now, and that's like, that, that's just sort of the way it is. So I kind of wish that I'd have just like, you know, not just like tortured myself to know like what is the real answer to these like hmm. silly fun questions, <laughs> um, and then been like, oh no, I've like portrayed myself all wrong. This is not who I am, because it's just it's like it's like water. <laughs> would you would you change the timing of the, the events that happened in your life if you if you could like uh, acting when I was yeah. super young um the only thing I really feel like we didn't have a lot growing up but like I've I've never you grew up on a council in a council house mm-hmm. and like you know have, have always had like a awareness of how hard my mum worked like raising us giving us everything that you know she did putting food on the table um you know but like I've, I I never I remember like when I was sort of like 18 and a lot of my friends started going to uni getting jobs whatever I remember like there was I, I was like I've I never even though I know what that struggle was like growing up like I've never like struggled to get a job or um struggled to make rent or anything like that and I think not that I would change that of course like I'm so fortunate but I guess like I I never want to I never want to lose sight of like the perspective of like just how fortunate that I've been and like just how tone deaf it is for me to believe that I like would understand what it's like to you know to to struggle to make rent and want to be a creative person and not know whether to get like a sensible job or to like because I don't know what that struggle is like at all um so yeah I don't know that like I, I I sometimes worry that I'm like alienated in in some ways because it all happened when I was so young and like literally from the age of 12 I've been like set for life and that's like very different to how I was like before that age. Is there a mixture of emotion surrounding that? Like being set for life at 12 um, as you grow up? Now I've sat here with a couple of guests who come from like a council, a council estate or grew up in, in very difficult situations. And they often express this kind of, I remember Jackmate doing it, express this kind of almost, guilt's a bit of an interesting word, but like, why did I... Like, I remember Jack saying to me, I can make thousands and thousands of pounds from just making YouTube videos. And I watched my dad not make the same amount of money in like a year or whatever. And I could just make it from one YouTube video. And he would go back and feel, he'd meet someone. I remember him saying he met someone in a pub that was like a cancer doctor. And he's making more than them just sat at home. He, and he always expresses this kind of like, I don't know, guilt or injustice. Have you ever felt that? Mm, definitely. Like, um, 
just yeah real like the guilt around like allowing yourself to have nice things or do nice things because you're like able to like I, I felt like when I was a kid everything stopped happening and all my problems were going to go away and then like all my problems didn't go away and then I was sat for life when I was 12 and I thought all my problems are going to go away and I was like well this doesn't it's not like that unless all of my friends and family are that way too because like how are we all supposed to like be okay if only one person is okay and you know you give people what you can but you don't see the the pain take that take the pain away for another person doesn't take the pain away for yourself like and then you realize that like actually life is something else entirely and like the biggest problem that a lot of people face is making money and like making enough money to live and like support their family but being able to do those things isn't in it like the only thing that like makes you happy Mm. like when you take that problem away there's sometimes still a very hard discussion that you have to have with yourself where it's like yeah like a fundamental chat where you have to tell yourself that well I don't know there's a lot of things. I don't want to take away from the fact that, like, having money enables you to, like, even be able to comprehend or, like... And that, another set of problems. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I know that that in itself is, like, an incredibly privileged position to be in. Um, uh, but, like, money won't take the pain away. Mm. It will take, like, the stacking bills or, you know... Um, or the fear of like losing your house, you know. Um, it doesn't undo trauma. You can't, you yeah. can't buy, you know, uh, you trauma buy. away. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if you can keep the heat on and the electricity and feed yourself, there's still, there's still for many people another level of trauma which um, money can't seem to solve for directly. Mm-hmm. Um, the the post game of th- you know I, I i remember sitting here with some, one of the guys from one direction liam payne mm. and um he talked about how post one direction you he has this identity which is he's a part of a boy band and then leaving that it can be quite troublesome mm. psychologically who and i think he talked about the same thing which is like who am i where do i belong how do i then go and ident- like find out who that person is and start creating for that and not just being this this character this you know member of a boy band that i've that the world knows before did you ever feel that post um game of thrones yeah in a way but I, but i felt like i had got to a point already within being in the show that i was like oh i feel like i'm like cosplaying as this like person i've created mm. and i don't think that this really is who i am so sort of leaving the show meant that i could leave that as well um you know i kind of like wanted to like say the right thing and do the right thing and like act like I had everything figured out and like be a good role model and you know which is all very good things to want but it's like it was it wasn't like very authentic it was like just like trying to be liked I guess right and then you're like oh I actually you know I don't want to do things that make people like happy because like I want to do things that make me happy and like I want to you know, represent myself the way that makes me feel most comfortable. 
um, and not like just the way that's most like palatable or like whatever. And so I, I'd already got to the point where I was like, oh, this isn't really me. And I'm like desperate for something to just like drastically change so as I can like cut from that. And, and that's sort of what happened when the show ended. Then also sort of sped up by the pandemic and mm. being like in uh, like solitary. Um, so I was kind of like very ready for that. And it wasn't like, oh, who am I? I was kind of like, oh, who could I be, you know? <laughs> 21, 21, 22 years old. Mm-hmm. How, how are those years for you? So this is like around the time the show is concluding. I yeah. Think it concluded when you're 22? Yes. When it came out. Yeah. Um, I just didn't really go out a lot. And I, I just felt quite, I just, I don't know. It was just like the, it was like the most successful it was ever going to be. And it was like, most people would like recognize you on the street and and like I had just got so like rehearsed at like oh thank you that's so nice and I just like everything I said and felt and did it was just like oh none of this is it's like um I just I felt like very going through the motions of life where it was like yeah acting again (laughs) yeah 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 um it wasn't the like the the hardest like most awful and traumatic like oh it was like terrible it it wasn't it was fine but I just like I knew that something better was coming at that age though twenty years old how do you feel about yourself oh uh, I didn't really have a very like good opinion of like myself and my self image it's I forget that I really didn't like myself that much <laughs> um, I don't know. I just, I just told myself that I was like awful and disgusting and like unattractive and unkind and like just like not a a good person and like unlikable. I just told myself that like every single day. And so in ways I sort of became like that because, um, you just like beat yourself into like a mess, you know, mind is quite powerful in that way. Yeah. Really powerful. Mm-hmm. Fern talks to me about this a lot. Mm. I know you, you did her podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. I listened to her chatting about this mm. on your podcast. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Do you know the origin of those, of those, of that self story, like where, where it originates from? Obviously you have a, a thread that most people don't have which is the world is giving feedback on you every day now because you're in the press and you're a young woman and we know that that can be a pretty vicious thing but do you know the origin of those self-stories I feel like I've I've felt self-conscious like even before all of that so it definitely before like fame and so it definitely was enhanced by that but I think it came a lot earlier um and I'm actually still trying to figure this out like at the moment with my therapist (laughs) we're trying to really trace that back and a lot of this like has come a lot of the discovery has come through meditation I've been doing a lot of transcendental meditation Mm. and like there's something about going into that state that like brings up like a little ticket and I go ah like that's but but I haven't quite figured out the answer to this one yet or where it like initially stems from um but I've definitely felt like embarrassed of myself or ashamed or like you know thought oh like I'd be playing at a kid's house and thinking like their parent thinks that I'm like 
awful. I'm like the child that all parents don't want their kids to hang out with. Like I I've just felt this way about myself and I was like, you know, I, I wasn't trying to get them to do like naughty things or anything. I just was like a kid that was just like, but I thought, you know, I'm in, I'm like, like I'd go to someone's house and I'd like my shoes and like maybe they're not in the right place and I haven't put my bag in there and this parent is gonna like not like me or like whatever. I, I've like felt that like uh, like self-awareness to that degree where I've like critiqued and like beat myself up like since I was very, very small. Hmm. Yeah. I don't really know. I don't know where it comes from yet. I'll let you know. <laughs> well, I, I, the question I, I, na I naturally ask is when, when when was the first time someone told you those? I mean, the, even the example of like, oh God, have I put my shoes in the wrong place? What you know? What happens if they're in in the wrong place? And what's the consequence of my shoes being in the wrong place? Because me growing up, if my shoes were in the wrong place, there's not really a consequence for that. No. You yeah. know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I have some theories on it. <laughs> um, but I don't know. It can, it doesn't concern just me. So I don't sure. know. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, I, I think that I've like, um, I've witnessed uh, like people just feeling like just them existing in one spot is like them just taking up too much room in this world. And I think that I've like just taken on a piece of that um, where like just living and breathing, like you're too much and like you're irritating. So, but it's not true. And if anyone ever feels like that, it's not true. Because we can know these things are objectively not true but it just this is the thing that really fascinates me is like how can we have how can we in one on in one hand know that something is not true yet seemingly we're not able to completely eradicate that story because mm. you know i i used to think definitely used to believe before doing this podcast that these stories we believe this evidence we have whether it's wrong true or false about ourselves i used to believe that there was some way of just like erasing it and you just, you do this, you do this, you tap your head, you wiggle your stomach like that. And, and then gone. it's gone. Go to therapy twice, you do this, <laughs> spin around and it's gone. Mm -hmm. But no matter, like, I don't think I've ever met a guest on this podcast that has gone through some kind of traumatic early experience in their life and has ever erased it. Mm. Ever. Mm. People will say they've, you know, they've built new evidence which counteracts it so that the new evidence makes the decisions in their life, mm. but it's still there. And mm. traumatic events can make it flare up. I'm one of, like, I consider myself to be one of those people where I've got to be very aware of, of my, my triggers because, uh, you know, they might take over the control room once in a while mm. and start calling the shots. So I, f I feel like, um, I feel like just like experiencing it all in the moment is interesting and like not sort of like predicting that there's like an end to it but you go like huh I have been in this situation before and like last time I wasn't aware of these triggers and now I see exactly what's what wants to happen 
and I'm not gonna do it. And like, there's the piece of your brain that's like actively making those decisions and going, D -d -d -d. but then there's the like, I don't know, consciousness or like, you know, the spirit that then observes it and goes, huh, like what happens next? Like you're playing a board game, right? And like mm -hmm. something happens and then like you're sort of above it and you go, where will this go next? And, and, and every time that your brain doesn't manage to do that, it's not like going straight back to that place, that point, even though like that's the way your body's reacting. It's like, you're still at this point in the journey of life. And this is how you're experiencing it in this moment. And like, it's not like, oh, you failed at like healing. Cause like, there's no end mm. to it. It's just, you know, in this moment, what can you, what can you, what can you learn? Your brain has gone back there, even though like previously you've managed to avoid this or you've managed to sort of like avoid a trigger or like, you know, rewire something, but it hasn't this time. So it's like, what can we learn from looking at it this time? How do I see it differently to a time when I would have like done this before? And it just, it keeps going. Like every minute is like an opportunity to like see where it will go next. Um, and it will never be erased because like it's a vital part of who you are. And like without it, like you're, you would be an entirely different person. It's like, what is that film? Um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. He like gets his relationship removed from his brain basically. Well, yeah, I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't, no, but yeah. I've heard about this thing called the eraser test, which they do on people, mm -hmm. which just sounds exactly the same. Yeah. Um, it, it's important. It's, it gives you, it, it's, it gives you, you know, all of the tools to make decisions in your life. Um, if I could give you an eraser, mm. would you use it? Not a single piece. Why? Because I feel, I think that there's a point in everyone's life where they experience firsthand that life is extremely unfair. And it can happen at any point. And it's unavoidable, I think. Well, I don't know. No. This maybe isn't... In a few years, I might have a different answer to this question. <laughs> but... The things I experienced when I was a child, no person should ever experience at any point in their life. But it's taught me so much. And I feel this like Com complex, like, like um, deep, emo like these complex, deep emotions um, that are ultimately what I use every single day as an actor. And um, I can, I can, I can recall those things, and I'm, I don't know, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful to understand 
the deepest pain and fear and also like the most liberating joy and freedom and like maybe you don't have to go through those awful awful things to feel that but I did and you know this spectrum of emotions that are like within me I feel like incredibly fortunate for because I think that that is something that's different about me so you you go, you go through that phase after being 20 you go through quite um significant what's the word self-disparaging self-hate um as I've heard you describe it you find it hard to 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 think or say nice things about yourself have you overcome that because when you did that interview with Lewis you were talking as if it was in the past yeah I desperately wanted it to be and I still do I think that um I've got like a lot better at it um but you know whenever whenever you know I sort of fall back into Mm. pain or whatever it always comes back to like this fundamental feeling that like I'm just not worth like any of it like I'm just like not worthy of like you know and that's like it's like it's it's hard to combat that when you're like well but I'm really really talking to myself differently and I'm really trying to like put up boundaries and I'm trying to really respect myself and like do you know um treat myself with some respect and then you just like still get to this point where you're like so that's like difficult and like that is something that I struggle with and I have like, you know, periods of a long time where that doesn't happen and then, you know, periods where it comes back again. Um, but yeah, just like keep combating it and telling myself that it's not true and that I am like, I'm worthy of everything in life, of, of whatever I want from life. Has, has, um, has anything helped truly? Not like, you know, we say, oh, this helped. Uh, here's five tips to help you. Bullshit, bullshit. We write in our books and stuff. But has anything truly helped to advance that feeling of worthiness? Yeah, I, meditation and uh, spirituality, which are two things I didn't have a relationship with for my whole life up until, um, 2021 so yeah five minutes ago five minutes ago (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, so just last year um everything everything really changed after that point I you did mushrooms didn't you no (laughs) (laughs) it was it was literally just (laughs) transcendental meditation um uh and and then like a couple of like very like surreal life-changing spiritual experiences just like in day-to-day life like not high or anything um that I just like couldn't ignore and I felt like oh I'm like I'm not alone like you know like there's something else um even on like the hardest days like there's something here that's like 
gonna be there like gonna you know take care of me um yeah and so that's like easier to then just like keep going you know when you were 22 you, you talked about um previously having issues with substance abuse uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Did you talk about that or have I just inferred uh, that from you? You used the word yeah, substance in an interview. I mean, I, I feel like I spoke about this a little bit on Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I don't want to undermine it, but I guess, who am I to say like what normal teenagers do and what normal teenagers don't do? Um, but like, you know, I like party, like took a lot okay. of party drugs yeah. and like, partied when I was like a teenager um and I was in the position where like I could buy more but I didn't really do that you know to a terrible degree we all so partied I yeah yeah, yeah I, and but but it was like definitely something that I was like I need to stop doing this if I want to like feel happiness um because that's a slippery slope especially things like very accessible things like alcohol even yeah you know I've had people very close to me that have <clears throat> have become alcoholics because of you know trauma they've been through and stuff like that and uh, do you do you drink now have you, what's your relationship like with alcohol and stuff no not really I mean I I don't I'm not like sober um but I don't I don't really drink like in the house or mm -hmm. like on a weeknight type thing it's usually like with dinner or like you know at a gig or with friends or yeah but yeah a lot of that is like quite um was quite a welcome like release I guess mm. it wasn't like something that I you were um, so busy as well struggled with if you're filming like 250 filming days per season or per year or something yeah I mean the whole production oh the whole production yeah. okay but yeah, yeah yeah exactly it was it was it was like hot it was uh, you know very busy schedule a lot of sleep needed to do to get through it you are always one decision away from taking your business to the next level. And a decision that's helped me to transform my business is moving over to NetSuite, who I'm excited to say are a sponsor of this podcast. If you don't know already, NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. It's reduced IT costs because it lives in the cloud, so you can access it from anywhere. And the cost of managing and running multiple systems because it's in one unified business management suite. My team and I don't have to worry about tasks being manual and clunky, and it means that I can be more efficient and to focus on more important things like bringing you the best episodes and guests on this show. So I become one of the 37,000 companies that have already made the move over to NetSuite. NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head to netsuite.com slash Bartlett for a free product tour. Back to the episode. We, before we start recording, we talked a bit about Ruben. Yeah. <laughs> your voice changed when I mentioned Ruben. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're you're wearing a shirt that he a oh, yeah. t-shirt that he designed? Yes. Created. Yeah. Inspired by these artists called Jean-Claude and Christo. It's dope. Husband and wife who wrapped a bunch of iconic landmarks and buildings in fabric. So cool. Yeah, it's quite cool. It's very me. So um, <laughs> when I'm not wearing all black to try and be a uh, stoic and ominous <laughs> in this podcast. Um, what is, how is, how is, 
how has it been going through trying to figure out romantic love? That's a, that was a very difficult thing for me, as I talked about earlier. But how has it been for you? What's that journey been like? Um, I think that I I definitely like resonated when you spoke about um, like rejecting a lot of like relationships, friendships or whatever, because it's like cringe or like not real or like whatever. I I feel like I definitely spent a lot of time doing that and I never really confronted um the the part of myself that um I don't know it was like desperate to love and be loved but I didn't really know how or didn't really know what that looked like or whatever. Um I don't really know how deep to go with this. I never like had relationships where I was like mistreated. Um, But that was mostly because like my trauma response was like whenever there was like any hint of like, I don't know, conflict. I was like, "Mm, I'm out. Like, no. I don't, I've seen this one before and I'm not going to be hoodwinked by this. But like the truth is, is like they were just like nice people and I just ran away like, you know, and and cut off like whatever emotions were there. I'm just like, I'm really sorry. Like it's not really going to work type thing. Um, and then, you know, with confronted with someone like Ruben who... Um, confronted. <laughs> he's like (laughs) stop (laughs) um I think that I've I met someone who um whenever I would start doing that and start going like oh they uh, he like saw it within me and was like you see what you're doing like you're you're like trying to sabotage yourself again and like you can do that like I'm not gonna stop you yeah it was the first time that like someone was patient enough, you know, even though you're really trying to push them away to be like, that's fine. Like, I'm not trying to like tell you not to, but like just observe what is happening right now. And like, you can sleep on it fine. Like you can sleep on it for a month if you want to, fine, like whatever. And it was the first time that, yeah, I... I realized this pattern that I hadn't been able to capture, like catch before. And um, yeah, it's been incredible. It's been like four years now and we live together and um, I've like never, never knew that like peace and joy and like happiness and like, like coexisting with another person could like be this way. I never saw this in my life and like it's just all new and like yeah all beautiful so interesting how sometimes it takes a certain person to like get over that wall you know and it's funny because I feel the exact same way we try and stop people getting over the wall because it feels like self-defense it's ultimately self-sabotage but we we try and prevent them climbing the wall but then if that person can get in they can go about writing a new set of evidence you know, we talked about evidence. That wall is essentially evidence. It's like it's it's a it's a shield built on faulty evidence from a from another experience. If they get over it, they can help us go on the journey of making new evidence. But it's it's very difficult to get over. 
And then eventually something they do can just bah, get inside that mm. that last line of defense. And it's good when they do, right? Because you can learn how wrong you were about so many things you believed. Mm. And then you go like, wow, every single thing that I've def- like defined myself as, like it can all be different. And like, that's like real freedom, I, I think. Like, yeah, just one of those little pieces where, yeah, everything you thought you knew about the world just like changes. You can then be like, what else am I wrong about? Or like, what else, not like even right or wrong. It's like, what other ways can I like experience this? Like what other, how else can, um, yeah, like what new sort of like possibilities are there? for like who I am and what I'm going to do. Who are you? And what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> um, I am a, um, <laughs> I'm like a kind and sensitive person. <laughs> and I... One, uh, and I want to like, I want to like, I want other people to feel happy. (laughs) Like I want to, I can't like bring, like make people happy, but like, I want to, I like am considerate of like people around me and like how they might be feeling or whatever why is that difficult to say (laughs) I don't know (laughs) I don't know I I don't know if I had to like really think about it maybe it's like like um if I if I if that's like really who I am at my core which like I I really feel like I'm speaking from the heart there's pain there because why was I made to, like, feel like I was such a monster, you know? Yeah. It's painful because I think, like, if I take away all of the things that I project and, like, oh, like, I'm someone who, like, speaks their mind and, like, I don't care what you think. And if I, like, take all of that away and I'm, like, who am I really? And I actually just, like, you know like someone who's quite sensitive and like wants to make, you know, want, uh, wants to be considerate of the people around them. Like, why, why do you just like keep putting things in front of you that are going to stop you from just like being that when who you truly are isn't a bad thing? Like, those aren't bad qualities to have as a person. So why, like, why, you know, why am I so ashamed of that? Or like, whatever, you know? Like, why, yeah, why Why am I tripping myself up to, like, not be that? Maybe because, like, once that wasn't good enough, right? And I'm telling myself, like, you know, that's not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like it makes sense as an explanation. Mm. Yeah. I was thinking as you're saying it, I was thinking, well, you know, if you've, if at one point you had to be 
someone else where you had to be, you had to meet expectations in order to be told that you were good enough. Expectations that were unmeetable. You might spend your life dancing from one expectation to another, just trying to please the world's expectations. And I know you know now, because I've heard you talk about it, that expectations are really, trying to meet social expectations anyway, really are the... Slippery slope isn't quite the word, but but it is quite. A, I think slippery slope is maybe a good a good phrase to use because it's all down from there, isn't it? Once you start playing that game, it's this self destructive spiral down to mm. a place that's hard to climb out of. Like maybe I don't value just like like just kindness and consider like consider. Uh, consideration in other people. I'm just spitballing on this, by the way. Yeah, so am I. (laughs) What makes you think you don't value in other people? Well, just because I I have this other sort of theory that I've been like stewing for a while where it's like you, you hate them, like you, you despise the most like what you are. Or like you're you're the you reject the most, like who you are inside. That would make sense if who you were was rejected, right? If you were told that who you were is not a good person, and that is a belief that you have, then if you see that in other people, you'd think, well, that's not a good person, because yeah, yeah. Wait, can you see that again? Sometimes it takes me. (laughs) No, it's fine. I'm just spitballing as well, but um. You said that you kindness was a quality that you um, in other people did, either didn't you felt you weren't didn't like. Or yeah, something? maybe it's something I don't va- like value enough. I don't like if I don't think it's I'm worth like. Well, you were told not to value worthy. it, right? Directions in a sense because you were that, and it was re- negatively reinforced. Yeah, yeah. I'm just guessing, but yeah. I guess we both are. Yeah. <laughs> what 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 is success to you? If if you if you know if you look back in ten years from now and say I was successful over those last ten years, mm. what would that be? Well, there's like a lot of like tangible things that I want to do with my career. Um, no, no, no. Right. Okay. So yeah, yeah. just like you exactly. Could, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like I mean, I guess success would be like understand, like knowing in my soul that like I des- I deserve any of any of those things or like. Like just, uh, um, (laughs) feeling adequate. (laughs) What is success? Well, I've, I've already said that I don't feel like it's a destination, right? It's like a happening every second. It's not like it, it can't look. I can't stand on the other side of success and look back and be like, well, look at that moment. It's like what you look back on. It's every, like, every time you were at a crossroads or a decision and like, how, what did you choose to do? That's all you can control. It's like what's happening right now. Like, are you going to choose this path or this path? Like, are you going to behave one way or another way? Are you going to do the things that you don't like about yourself and continue to do them? Or are you going to like, do it differently and you're gonna like talk about yourself in a different way like and that's like it's every second and and there's no other side to it um I don't know maybe enlightenment if you (laughs) if you believe that um 
but it's about the the journey. With you, with you're 35 years old. You sat here again. Yeah. And you go, those last 10 years. Yeah. They were a good 10 years. Yeah. Which I'm sure you will say. But if we're sat here, you're 35 years old. I'm like, I'm dead by then. I'm like 75 or something. I'm not. <laughs> I've just turned 30 and I'm like, I'm having a crisis. <laughs> I'll be 40. So um, uh, I love all my 40 year old listeners. Thank you. Like and subscribe. Um, but you're 35. Um, I'm sat here and I'm 40. Mm. We're looking back on the last 10 years and we're going, yeah, that was really, really a great 10 years. Mm. What would have had to ha- have happened in your estimation for that to be true? Um, I guess like, um, like control, oh no, control. That sounds like, ugh. No. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, um, I guess it would be like looking back at all of the moments and, you know, seeing, seeing the, the conscious decisions that were made rather than just like acting on impulse. Right. I guess success would be like, that was a point that was really challenging and like, I feel really proud that I didn't slip back into that old habit or I didn't like, you know, I, I didn't like just go completely selfish and think like, oh, my problems are the worst in the world. Like I just like had a bit of perspective and I like picked myself up and I, I kept going. Like, I guess that's like, I would look back on those moments and feel like those decisions like would define those 10 years and I'd be like proud, like proud of, of that. Um, yeah. Do you have a do you have a do you have a sense of mission about you at all? Mission, definitely. I mean, the the freedom and like the the joy that I feel through performing. Um, and I'm I've I, like it's ch- it's changed my life, right? <laughs> and like we're at a place where you know there's a lot of people who want to like, you know, make art creative people who want to um, sustain a lifestyle of like making art and like, you know, um, whether that be acting, singing, you know, writing. uh, And now I guess like the mission is like, I I want to build companies or like, um, you know, work with people and like kind of continue the ethos of like, um, you know, pushing creative people to be able to sort of like sustain a life of like, you know, creative work. Because I'm like in a very fortunate position where I do what I love and what I do also brings me money. And the way that the work makes me feel is like the best thing ever. And like that, those like three things I think are like a foundational piece of like being a, like a human and like, it's like, should not be as hard as it is for like people to be in that position. And, um, I, when I, when I'm, I'm like down about like the world and like, like whether it's the government, the environment or like, like anything, um, I like kind of wonder, I'm like, what if like more people could do what they love for a living? Like, would we actually be in like, just in a better place? Like, 
not that those things like influence any of these like poor decisions, but like I see like so much, there's a lot of pain, like like there's a lot of pain in the world and like life causes people a lot of pain. And I, and I, um, yeah, I just, I feel, um, I feel like, you know, art and like expression through art and like channeling like creativity. I wonder if that would contribute to making the world a better place. I would want for that to contribute to making the world a better place. You're a very different person to the person I watched in all of the previous interviews. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't, I'm still the same person, but I definitely have a different perspective. When I watched, because um, you did a few interviews about three, four years ago, and in those interviews, um, just like, I don't know what it was, you were very, very high energy. <laughs> do you know what I mean like yeah. very very high energy um you seem to yeah exactly <laughs> very that yeah 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 you seem to just be very um considered and uh what's the right word very considered and a bit more calm <laughs> now then oh now now yeah. yeah yeah I think that that's like exactly how I feel and like it's so like it's so exhausting like performing in that way it's not fulfilling it's not real it was like I guess I was that way as like an escape from from the the quiet like the quiet like I didn't know what was going to be in there when I like stopped like I think that it's like quite a scary even though like on the other side of like self-discovery or like trauma healing like on the other side of it is like the answer to all of your problems like it's 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 terrifying it's terrifying to look inside you because you've always told yourself that like you're not good enough and and like it's terrifying because you're worried you're gonna look inside and be like, oh, all of those things were true. But no, it's it's terrifying to be like, wait, maybe like I am actually worth, like worthy of like a good life. Like, and maybe I'm like stopping myself from doing that. Like that's a crime. <laughs> that's not like, and I think, I mean, it's like, I've said this a lot, but it is a journey. But it, I think it's, it's, it's like a scary thing to start buying off. And then once you start buying off, then you start to realize like how selfish that you've been. And, and you, you don't like yourself for like a number of reasons, but then you start to, it's like not other reasons to dislike yourself, but it's like, you just, I don't know. I feel like I, like there's, you have one life and like, and I've been spending all of this time like st stopping myself from doing it. And like, that's awful f of myself to do that, but it's also to do that to yourself. It's also just like a waste of all of that. And there's like that other perspective. Um, yeah. But yeah, just like stopping and having that having that sort of um, 
com- conversation, I guess, like with myself has like, it's changed everything. It's changed like, and it's been and it's so much better now. It's so much better and it's less tiring. <laughs> so many people don't, don't want to go near that onion. Yeah. You know, they don't want to, yeah. they don't want to go near it. And mm. it's funny because I, 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 you know, sometimes with my own naivety or my own, um, m- mindset privilege or because I'm someone that loves introspection I'm like go on peel it back go on peel it why won't you peel it back go on let's go to therapy yeah, let's what, fucking talk about it what more yeah <laughs> you know I must be a pretty difficult friend to have if you don't want to peel back layers because <laughs> I only want to peel back I don't want small talk so yeah yeah but I, but I sometimes encounter people that don't want to pe- peel back the layers and it's frustrating because you you see the consequences of unpeeled back layers mm everywhere in their behavior and you think well you just need to peel back the layers and you'll find the source once you know what the source is then you Mm. can go about solving against it or Mm. understanding it um but yeah I I don't know what to say to people when they don't they don't I guess it's none of my business and everyone in their own time some people maybe will never start the journey of understanding themselves Mm. and healing and Mm. peeling back layers yeah sometimes people who you love and are very very close to and like, you, you'll never be able to, to control that or or like force them to, or do it for them. Was there a catalyst or something that helped you to take that step and, and start wanting to peel back layers and understand? Was there anything that, or was it just the, the pain of staying the same was greater than the pain of making a change? I've, I've definitely always been searching, I think like, okay. I'd always been searching, but I never, I never knew like how to go deeper, how to like, yeah. Okay. And I think, um, yeah, Ruben, meditation, therapy, the pandemic, like, well, because we were just at home every single day like a lot of variables like stopped shifting so I could track my mood like more Mm. um, accurately because like there wasn't a bunch of different things happening each day but I could see like like I could see it so I guess like the stillness you know um, but like you have you have to you you have to you have to choose like what you want there's comfort sometimes within the pain or within like the um onion (laughs) Mm. and like you have you have to choose whether like going going there is gonna be like pain like the most painful thing you ever do but like have you know, every possibility on the other side, or is it just like safer to like not and like get by and like, it's okay. Cause I'm not hurting anyone. And like, I hurt myself a little bit, but like I can deal with it. It's like, that's the thing you, and it's like, a, that's a hard decision to make. And there's never a right time. And like, it never like happens as fast as you want it to happen. And you just like have to choose, like that ultimately is a choice that only you can make and you can't make for other people you can't like persuade them and you can't like you just have to 
choose and you have to do that multiple times where you go I'm fixed now and then you're not and so you have to choose again like am I going to get back on the horse or am I going to not and it, yeah it's just professionally then yeah oh your face lit up again <laughs> <laughs> I'm like it's I I I it's very liberating to speak this freely mm. um in with you in this private setting but like understanding that it's going to be public because I I've never really done that I don't think um and I'm a bit scared I have to be honest mm. like I'm quite like concerned mm. a little bit it's like creeping in yeah but I really hope that it like um can help the people that it's like you know or I don't know what I hope but um yeah I hope it's okay what is what is the concern um I don't know it's just like that uh, like the media training part of you that's like don't say this or da-da. and also because like a lot of things that I've discussed like they do concern other, other people. people and yeah. so you know there's that as well because um, it, it just gets yeah I don't know but it's it's fine it's fine it's gonna be okay <laughs> that I sound, that sound yeah. like I'm just trying to convince myself <laughs> yeah were you were you um were you anxious about coming here today? Um, uh, yes. But I had prepared. Well, no, I just had... I wanted... Sometimes I'm anxious because I don't know where it's going to go. Mm. And other times I'm... I'm anxious because um, I, I like, it's like, are you going to be open or not? Or are you going to be honest or not? I guess, yeah. So that was sort of the anxious thing where it was like, you know, I, I went to morning yoga this morning and I was doing breathing exercises in the car. <laughs> <laughs> um, because it's like, it's very easy to slip back into the like, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like still a part of me it's still a very yeah. very prominent part of me so yeah why did you want to do that today why did you why did you want to be um open today like there's a piece that's like missing and like if I try and really talk about things honestly like I just know that there's this like massive like hole that I'm like dancing around the edge of um and I don't think that it like yeah I don't think that that like helps anything so yeah uh, yeah I guess like the, what I what I wanted to speak about today and like we've got we have spoken about it and it's like been a lot more emotional than I you know anticipated but it always is right um but I I it's like, you know, like freedom of expression and like making art really did change everything. And like, I want other people to, to feel that. And like, I couldn't talk about that in, without like fully talking about what it helped me escape from, I guess. So, yeah. It's funny with being an artist that we, um, I used to think that art, creating art was exclusive and I said this in our, our show we did up and down the country I opened with this I say once upon a time I used to think that art was exclusively reserved for people that were like artists 
If it's in your bio, then you can do it. You can paint, you can create, you can make music, you can dance. But it, only if it's in your bio and you've gone to like school for it. Yeah. Everyone else, we're all like other things. Mm. Artists over there, everyone else over here. Mm. And um, it was actually when I left my job as a CEO that I thought to myself, at a fundamental level, if I remove all these labels that society's given me, what am I? And that's when I discovered the art in me that had been suppressed because society says, you're an artist and I'm a CEO. Yeah. But we're all artists and that realization has been so amazing for me mm. and my mind and my mental health and all those things mm. do you think we're all artists i do and i think that you can there's a lot of words you can use for that that might make you know people more comfortable with you know that as a label but i think like fundamentally like since the beginning of time like humans have like made things and they've just like got increasingly like complex and like they maybe they've altered like the human state in like lots of ways and like you know the way we think and the way we behave or whatever but like we've always made things like at our fundamental level like we've used tools and we we make things and whether you like see your approach to life or like your mind as like more like analytical or, or something like it's there's it's still like creation like you're still creating things um, and finding like what you create like very freely and like being able to do that as much as possible is like an incredibly fulfilling thing and it doesn't have to be like painting or like these very sort of rudimentary like clear sort of artist industries like I don't know like I, I've listened to like some business podcasts and stuff and they talk about like sort of like running a company yeah. <laughs> you can probably have more insight on no, this, yeah. but like when people are doing like what they're amazing at and like other people are doing things that they're amazing at and like you don't get people to do things that like they're very slow at and like don't mm. understand or like don't like doing or like yeah. and that's like how you can like move very quickly amen and and so it's like but what about like the whole world like not that the whole world is like a company or whatever but like what, like what if we could all do what we're like that, that comes effortlessly to us like yeah and it, and it's not just like a but like a bunch of people sitting around painting like it's not that at all if you think about artists as like that very sort of like but if people were like free to create and to like explore their mind and like you know, express through, through, through building, through making. Um, the thing that um, people sometimes struggle with is they will say, well, I've got this job and I can't, I can't do that. I'm a, you know, I've got to go to this building site and I've got, you know, I've got to do this thing and I've got, to, I'm a cleaner, so I've got to do this mm. or I've, you know, I work at the supermarket or I've got, um, I'm a driver, so I can't, I can't be an artist. I can't create anything. Sorry, Maisie. Yeah, well... And this is what I always want to be like incredibly, um, I guess like f from that person's perspective, yeah, I don't have a clue like what I'm talking about, right? And it's like, it's all like very nice, like in theory, but like get in the real world. And like, I understand that perspective. And that's why I think it's like a like like a like a, a problem like that's rooted through like even the way that like 
children are like educated like all the way through to like the way we see like our working lifespan like mm. but i believe I, I understand what you're saying you're saying wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody could get to that place if that was even if it's a you know and i i i personally think that um i really would love you know if i could wave a wand and everyone listening to this could maybe take one thing away from this from my my from how i've received it it's like we don't have to give up on that dream of creating just because like i remember working in call centers i remember doing all of those things but i would i would also prioritize as much as i possibly could understanding the context i'm in and everyone's in a different context not not one that i can speak to that um the way out of that for me was like owning my my own space of creation even if that meant home and like playing a video game where i got to like build a virtual world mm. or in the case of me it was i was building this business called Woolpark. and it's actually more so now that i'm like learning to dj and i'm like doing these shows i'm writing these books that i'm like um, no matter how much I get caught up in my identity of like building businesses, whatever, I should always reserve a split space for like creating if possible. Mm. And that is so good for the mind. Mm. I, I hope everyone, because I know everyone listening to this, there'll be a guy, you know, driving up in a lorry listening to this right now, but he knows he loved playing the drums. Mm. And at some point he told himself that, oh, I can't do that. That's a silly thing. That's a distraction. Yeah. It's a waste of time. That's the worst mm. one. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think like the the like snowball of like opportunities that like or possibilities that it opens up when you just like yeah you don't tell yourself no I can't do that anymore because I don't have time or I don't have mm. um you, you know it's like yeah I'm I have to do this instead or I have to do this instead like switching switching like a little portion of your week over to like freely creating um I, f I think it can bring incredible things for people. Wasted time is a really interesting concept that I've, I think in the last two weeks of doing this podcast, I've started to think a lot about. It was actually last night, someone said to me, oh, we should watch, um, what did they say? Prison Break. And I remember like my brain went, that's a waste of time. And then I corrected myself to them and I didn't say it to them, but I remember going, do you know what? Nothing is really a waste of time. Because if you think about the way creativity works and how we source inspiration from so many random things, mm. nothing is, and it also, if you just, if it, relaxing is not a waste of time. No. But I think we've been quite conditioned to see if it's not productive and resulting in some kind of, you know, quantitative ROI, it's a waste of time. Yeah. What's your relationship with time and empty time and space? And Well, I mean, it's, it's changed a lot, but I think like currently, um, I I don't like I don't try and like control like time. This is taking too long. This isn't like you know this needs to happen now or like oh I should be doing this but I haven't. Um, I've spent like a lot of my time like I spent a lot of my time <laughs> uh, like t torturing myself over like whether I spent time in like the most like. Uh, like useful way or whatever um, but now it all it I feel like we even said something recently because like we've been talking about time a lot and like sort of this discussion of like is it linear like and this is kind of like you know quite like can be quite sort of hypothetical or whatever 
uh, dense things about like the history of the universe and like what we all are and what it all means. But he said something very interesting recently where he was like, I, I feel like what time can do is like arrange itself before you. <laughs> and like, it, he sort of talks about like his schedule, like sometimes in a week, like there's a million meetings and they're all happening at the same time. And it's like, uh, like, are you gonna go like, uh, I need to change everything, da, da, da. He was like, or do you just like let it be? And then it magically kind of like, this person needs to do something earlier and this person needs to do something like later. So like these calls all move and now we need to cancel because so got COVID. Like he was like, it, it like if I st- like, r- stress and try and manipulate my calendar to be like perfect one that's really really stressful and two I don't do that and it sometimes just like it it, most of the time just sort of falls into into place and so I've always thought that was really interesting so in those times where I was like I I I need to be doing this right now but like I, I can't do it I can't focus I can't whatever I am like the space the the block of time where I'm supposed to do this is, is going to find me. <laughs> that I sounds like I'm like avoiding all responsibilities. No, it makes perfect sense to me. Because we but there's many ways I, I many ways I received that. The first one was just like, okay, I can't control the future anyway. So there's so much anxiety surrounding trying to. The second thing is that like my priorities and what I care about will end up shaping this all anyway. So like if this ran ran over by a couple of minutes and I wanted it to run over, that's fine because I made the conscious decision that this was my priority versus, I don't know, walking my dog or something. And so my priorities, my values will hopefully lead me. And then there's loads of things out of my control, which is not for me to worry about anyway. So the future should be somewhat fluid and Mm. accepting that's not always an easy thing, but Mm. it's probably a better way to look at our time. I want to enjoy the journey. So you're enjoying the journey, right? Yeah. More so now than ever. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Are you? Oh uh, yeah, I'm enjoying the journey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am. I just take every day. I think I've just always just taken every day as it comes. And like some days I do really shit. And that's okay. But I can't do anything about it now. So I just try and try my best to just as I said earlier, like channel that into like mm. le- learnings, feedback and yeah. being better. We have a closing tradition on this podcast, which you might be aware of. Uh huh. Um, it's where the last guest writes a question for the next guest. Oh, cool. No, I have. Okay, I haven't okay. seen this. So they don't know who they're writing it for. And you will never know who asked it. Okay. And I don't get to read it until now. Um, okay. This person has a bit of a interesting handwriting. Okay. Um, mine is worse, I'll say, but, but um, here we go. What's the last decision you made that went completely sideways plus what did you do to correct it brackets if you could correct it there's like a lot of different things that I'm thinking of and I don't know like okay so I have been working in Paris recently as you know um and I uh I was diagnosed uh, like a year and a half ago with ADHD and I take medication every day and um, I like prescribe that in the UK and I'm like working in France. So Mm. I ran out um, (laughs) and like couldn't get any more in time to like go away. 
I don't know if this is going to be like insightful. No, it doesn't need to be insightful at all. <laughs> um, to correct it, I tried to get some scent over, but that like wasn't working for lots of different reasons. Um, but I guess like the main thing that I did was like stop beating myself up about like <laughs> not like mm. organizing it better so as I had it because I was already feeling like terrible um but you know torturing yourself over this and telling yourself oh you could you could have your medication right now if you'd have just or if you'd have just done this then Mm. you'd be fine right now but instead you're gonna struggle like instead of sort of going down that path I just was like it's done Mm. I can't change it like I'm I I can't do this like like my my brain is like hitting a wall with like you know I don't know to-do list or like whatever and I just have to ride it out. What made you want to go and get checked for ADHD? But then even that assumes you wanted to go get checked. I've been speaking to um, a psychiatrist for like a long time. So he's known me for for quite a while. Um, And we've sort of like, yeah, between between him and like therapy that I do sort of more actively, um, like more more regularly. Mm. Yeah. and he suggested it. Yeah. And yeah. It, and it made sense to you. It did. Like a lot of the things that I like noticed about myself. Um, like I always remember my mom being like, yeah, but you know, I struggle with this and I struggle with that too. Like, you know, and, and like, I think she raised me knowing all the things that she knew about herself, like in a very particular way. And I got to do a lot of things that came very naturally to me. Um uh, and she was sort of forced to do things that, like she just, you know. And so, but it was like funny because he was sort of telling me all these things. I'm like, yeah, but my mum does that. And he's going, yeah, it runs in the family. I'm like, uh-huh. oh, interesting. So, um, yeah, it was quite a, it was quite a interesting thing just for me and my mum to go through actually. Um, yeah. I like had more perspective on myself, but also like more perspective on, on her too, which was kind of cool. What is your relationship with the mum? I realise I've not mentioned her. <laughs> yeah, we haven't. Um, my relationship with my mum is in a really, really good place now. Um, now? I mean, she, it's like, it has been my whole life. Um, she, I mean, she like kind of gave me the greatest gift of all and just like supported whatever it is what I wanted to do. Um, and it kind of led me to like the most extraordinary places and we did a lot like together. Um, and in more recent years, I think I've like, I've, well, you know, grown up, but also sort of like, you know, been more, more independent. And like that is like adjusted our relationship um, as it does, like, you know, very naturally. Um, but it's just been like interesting for the two of us to navigate that from from being like quite in, in ways codependent, you know, like she, she traveled with me while I was like between the age of like, like 12 to 16, 17 and like those are usually the years when everyone's like, "Mom, like I, you're not cool. I don't like you." And like me and my mom were like thick as thieves, and we just like traveled, like traveled the world together, like me and her. Um, uh, so we were like very, like very, very close, and like very, like had a, you know, and we st- we still are, we still have all of those things. But it was, it's just been very interesting, like you know, growing up and and having, uh like having parts of my life that that are like just simply my own and like parts of my career and struggles with my career that I get through on my own because like, you know, I, 
that's okay. I can do that now. And just like the way that that's been like strange for us both, I think. Was there a point with your relationship with your mother where you started having those difficult conversations about the things you were realizing about yourself and your past? And is there, cause I, I'm just, I'm not that close to my parents. So I've just never had, mm. I've never had those conversations. Yeah. Like we, yeah, we've definitely had like those conversations. Um, yeah. It's, it's like incredibly painful. Like it, it, yeah, I think there's like so much pain, you know, that you have like in your own experience, but like, you know, you, you're, it's, it's, yeah, it's like, it's like very painful to think about like people that you love, like being in pain as well, or like whatever. So, yeah. <sighs> <laughs> well, Maisie, um, thank you. Thank you for. Uh, thank you for coming here today and thank you for having this conversation with me. Um, I learn so much from, you know, some, everyone I speak to, but um, it's interesting. You're such, I feel like, I feel like you're, I feel that you're such a good human being at your core. And it, it, it almost, um, uh, yeah, it's difficult for me. I feel like you're such a pure, good human being you know? And so I really like feel, I feel like every tear you've cried and I feel all of your, all of your pain as well. Um, I've never actually got up and hugged someone during the conversation, <laughs> but no, you are, you're such a beautiful, pure human being. And, um, I'm so deeply uh, hoping that you, um, you get comfortable with that truth too, <laughs> however long that takes for you, because it is the truth. Mm. And, um, because of that is the truth. It means that you're so deserving of so much more so than I am. You're definitely, <laughs> no, you are, because you are, you are literally like a, within there, you are a complete ray of joy and sunshine and love and, <laughs> and kindness and all those things that I'm striving to be even better at. So um, thank you. And, you know, uh, thank you for your honesty because it's unbelievably difficult and it's easier not to be, but you, you won't even get to see all of the, the people that it serves and helps in so many profound ways. So that's what I want to thank you for. And your suit. And it's just tremendously inspiring. We didn't even get to talk about how hard you've, you've worked um, professionally. We did a little bit off, off air, but um, to achieve all the things you've achieved at such an unbelievably young age. But um, that inspires me. Um, your openness and honesty inspires me. Your wisdom inspires me. And, you know, I'm so excited. And you're 20 fucking five, which is unfair. It's like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Um, crazy that you've done so much and you're such um, a beautiful person at such a young age. So thank you, Maisie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, and thank you. Um, th thank you for this incredible podcast. I think um, you, as you have spoken about, have a real range of guests, but I think that you, um, you, you approach everyone on like a very sincere and like um, consistent level. And I think that like you as a person are like very real and that sort of brings out like a real openness in, in the people that you talk with. But you also like clarify at every sort of point, any part that you don't understand, which not only makes, it helps you understand, mm. but it brings like the audience in, in a way that like, a lot of other people don't 
whether because like they don't want to ask questions because they don't want to look like they don't know or whatever mm. like you you are like very authentic um and like it's incredibly calming to be around um so thank wow. you huge compliment thanks Maisie <laughs> You are always one decision away from taking your business to the next level. And a decision that's helped me to transform my business is moving over to NetSuite, who I'm excited to say are a sponsor of this podcast. If you don't know already, NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. It's reduced IT costs because it lives in the cloud so you can access it from anywhere and the cost of managing and running multiple systems because it's in one unified business management suite. My team and I don't have to worry about tasks being manual and clunky and it means that I can be more efficient and to focus on more important things like bringing you the best episodes and guests on this show. So I become one of the 37,000 companies that have already made the move over to NetSuite. NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head to netsuite.com Bartlett for a free product tour. Back to the episode.